Welcome to episode 8 of People Behind the Business, a show for small businesses with small teams and huge ambitions. I'm your host, Rosemary Richings. On today's show, I'm joined by Kerry Grace, who is a motivational speaker that travels across the U.S. and has audiences that include schools and offices and sales teams and sororities and, well, pretty much you name it. Uh, so her in her line of work, she talks about facing rejection and also just spreading kindness and being kinder to each other. So I wanted to have her on today today's show really just to share how we as small business owners and aspiring small business owners can uh, just chase after our dreams with a lot more bravery. So without further ado, I am going to let her go ahead and introduce herself. Um, I am Carrie Grace and I live in North Carolina. Um, and I am a motivational speaker. So uh, how did you make the transition from being a t- teacher to being a motivational speaker? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So my first job um, right out of college was a teacher. And there was a lot of steps in between teaching and speaking. And uh, I don't know. A lot of teachers, honestly, have gone into motivational speaking. I think it's kind of a similar skill set, if you will. Um, you're in front of people, whether it's little kids or big kids, um, speaking quite a lot. And motivating them, obviously, to do their work. So it was a pretty, that, in that sense, it was a pretty natural transition. I, um, taught for two years and then I actually sold some, um, a product based business. And in that time, I started getting asked to speak a little here and there. And just gradually over time, it's grown into a full time career. Um, I didn't think it's something I, for a while, it's something, it wasn't something I necessarily wanted to do. And then over time, I started to really enjoy it. And so I started to pursue more opportunities for myself. So uh, when did you feel like you got to the point where uh, you were easily pursuing those opportunities? Um, probably the last year, um, last summer. So almost at the year point, I really was like, okay, I'm going hardcore, full-time, like all in, um, and just started booking a, a lot more um, and a lot more consistently. Okay. So uh, if you could go back to day one, week one of your business and had only a few minutes to tell yourself anything, what would you tell yourself and why? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> and gosh, uh, honestly, I think when I started my business, I was very, very wide eyed and very excited. Um, I think I would have told myself to get a mentor early on. Um, I have some great mentors now. Uh, but I think that would have been something I would have told someone or I would tell someone who's just starting a business is that having a mentor and having someone who is far superior in knowledge of business and skill sets, um, walking you through, yeah. um, the start of business, I would kind of just say, have a person because it can be very isolating and lonely. And I think having a mentor can open up a lot of opportunities and doors to things you wouldn't think about. Uh, that I now have and I'm grateful for, but I think I wish I had had that sooner. I would have probably stumbled a little less and made a whole lot less mistakes on my own. I can definitely relate to that. I didn't break one 
uh, until much later in my business. I had the privilege of working with a coach, but that wasn't until fairly recently. Right. So beneficial. Yeah, for sure. So what made you interested in pursuing your your area of motivational speech? Yeah. So I speak on two things. I speak on um, risk-taking slash rejection and then kindness. Um, honestly, the kindness part came very, very naturally to me. It was, um, I just was raised that way and have a very firm belief in, in how we should treat one another as humans. And, um, I think starting a business made me much more, I, I used to be very risk averse and hated risk taking and liked to play it very safe. And then I think, you know, starting your own business, you really don't get quite as far unless you take risks. And I realized that, um, I was more likely to take risks than some other people around me, um, to get to where I wanted to go. And, um, I started having all these discussions with entrepreneurs and people who wanted to write books. And, um, I realized a lot of people put roadblocks in front of them. Um, it wasn't so much the rejection part. It was more the fear of rejection. So people have this fear of what if I get rejected that they don't actually even try to get rejected. Um, and so helping people overcome that article, that, that hurdle was really important to me, especially as an entrepreneur. It's like, you've got to be able to take some risk and put yourself out there if you want to see success. So do you think that's what surprised you the most about uh, your work uh, now versus when what you expected? What, surpri- what has surprised me the most? Uh, yeah. So what surprised you just about uh, then versus now? Would you say that would be uh, high up on um, the list? Like being surprised that people are averse to risk and like, what? yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess what surprised me the most, honestly, is like – my gut, like be, being so bold, <laughs> like I think going from I had a much uh, smile, smaller, quieter life, and I think as an entrepreneur to, to get anywhere, I think that surprised me the most. And then it surprised me the most that other people who are entrepreneurs or big dreamers, as I'd say, there tends to be people who are big dreamers and big doers. And I tend to find that big dreamers have all these really, really cool ideas, but fear is fear of rejection is what stops them. So I think that's just surprised me as I went into speaking. How many people? And honestly, what, what really surprised me was um, because I speak on two different topics that are very different, but they overlap. And how they overlap is um, when I speak on kindness, a lot of people come up and tell me um, what I call missed opportunity stories. And so they'll say, hey, I saw this homeless person or I saw this lady struggling or I saw a mom with two kids, you know, having meltdowns. And they have this like l- little bit of sense of regret of I wish I had helped more. And they always are afraid that to say, hey, do you need help over fear of rejection? And so that I realized that they go hand in hand is that a lot of people don't make the world kinder because they don't want to look dumb and they don't want to be told no. And they don't want to like get shut down for trying to do something nice. So they don't try anything at all. And then they have this like little bit of remorse of like, oh, I saw this girl on the side of the road with her flat tire and I know how to change tires, but I didn't stop because what if she, like they make all these stories that they don't know are reality yet. Um, and so that actually surprised me the most in speaking is just, and, and, and I wouldn't have known that on day one, um, you know, that, that p- people really do want to do more things that are kind in the world. They just have this, these blockers that prevent them from doing it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Really that, uh, they're afraid what people will think. Right. The perception. So, yeah, for sure. So, um, could you elaborate a bit on what kind, what ways you spread kindness and uh like what that normally involves yeah i mean i don't have a very like um i don't know roadblock if you or like a roadmap of what 
what it looks like. It's kind of an everyday thing. I try to live with a lot of margin in my life, which I think is hard to do with the social media culture we live in. It's so easy to waste five minutes on your phone. Um, so I try to be early to things because it then allows me to find opportunities to add kindness into the world. And I think a lot of times what happens is we rush. And then when we rush, you go, oh, I could have helped that person, but unfortunately I have a meeting in five minutes and I can't do anything about that. And so if I can be 15 minutes ahead of most of my day, then at some point I give those 15 minutes away to someone who really needs it. So it's just, I mean, it's really just acknowledging people and saying, I see you, I hear you, um, listening to people's stories. Um, you know, it, it's, it's stuff like that where I'm, um, you know, just, just having my eyes and my heart open to people and seeing where there's a need. I think now, especially that's so essential. Like I remember watching, um, this very slow repair show and, uh, by far the most insightful thing I took out of it is he said technology was designed to allow us to save time, right. but all it's doing is creating less right. time. Funny that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So people are just so busy all the time. So that's awesome. You're doing that. So, uh, so I remember uh, looking on your Twitter profile and seeing uh, that really great story about uh, you were saying you sat next to a man that was dying of cancer and then you left little notes to people, uh, little notes of kindness. Could you talk a little bit about that and a little bit more about the story behind yeah, that? Yeah, so it's, um, I always tell people, I, I used to hate flying and now I actually enjoy it, but um, flying in an airplane is the number one way you can interact with people. Obviously, you won't probably see them again, but it's this, uh, I have found that that is where I found the most interesting stories and the most vulnerable open people. Um, I sat next to a man who was, I don't want to say terrible, terrible is not the word word. He was a very grouchy man and said borderline inappropriate things to me and the lady sitting next to him. I was on the window and she was in the, uh, the middle seat. Um, he uh, Inappropriate to me, not the word word. It just was um, not, um, not super sensitive to either of us, just like very, um, very blunt statements. And I was kind of like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. This is going to be a long flight. Um, the lady in the middle was like over him on minute two. Um, and I think probably halfway through he was, he was, um, he was was going to get, um, his stem cells, um, taken out of his body and cleaned and then put back in, um, which tends to be, um, one of the last steps you do. And when, when someone has cancer, that's kind of like the final, um, step i had matched with the stranger in the past to donate bone marrow and i my my stranger ended up not being healthy enough to receive my marrow um so i actually knew a lot of what he was going through because i had been very well prepped on it in order to sign all these legal agreements you have to be very clear as to what stem cell um and bone marrow and all of that actually entails for me um so I think that that helped. We, we had, we were able to have a conversation and he assumed on, you know, at the beginning that I wouldn't know what he was talking about. And I was like, no, I fully understand how to harvest stem cells and how painful it is in the process. And, um, and so I think it just was very inspirational to go like, gosh, you just never know, um, who you're going to be placed next to and what they're going through. Uh, and so, and I've, I've come to find that people, um, fly for three reasons. One is work two is joy and three is sorrow. And so people are either going on vacation, going to a wedding, or they're going to a funeral, or someone is sick 
and dying or they're having a family drama. So there's all these like categories that, that are under like work, joy and sorrow. Um, and so it just was kind of one of those things where you have all these opportunities. I always look at things as what's the opportunity. And so I've written cards to fight to like, you know, my, the pilots and the flight attendants and, you know, people I've sat near just because it's like, you never know what people are going through. And that was very eye opening for me. Cause I was like, I have, you know, hopefully a lot of life in front of me and he was nearing the end of it in a very painful process that is not guaranteed to cure the cancer. Um, you know, and I could tell even the flight attendants were very aware of him because he was, they were always at our row talking to him about stuff. So, you know, you do some kind of, you go, I don't know. I mean, I, I've sat next to even, you know, more dramatic, worse stories than that in the last, you know, six months since then. Um, that was, that was last year, but, um, yeah, it's just interesting. It's, it's one of those things where I rarely put my headphones in because you just never know what the person's going to say next to you. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I don't like bury myself in a book. I mean, if they don't want to speak to me, obviously I'm not like, Hey, trying to engage them. But a lot of times people find it a, a very therapeutic to just like talk to a stranger and then leave and never have to see that person again. Yeah. Especially if they're traveling by themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think you have a, you have a great point. That's, that's a very vulnerable environment. Uh, right. People. Right. So on a related note, since the environments where you spread, kindness varies so widely how do you find these environments vary in terms of what people respond to you know what i i don't feel like there's a wide range because some people ask me i'm in the south who have asked me south versus north you know west coast versus east coast what i've come and maybe this is a skill that i tend to, to be better at than some other people um i think it tends to be how well you can read a person versus how well the the environment is adapted for it um because if, I mean, I can read a person fairly well to know, okay, you're having a good day, you're having a bad day, you're unhappy, you're sad, you're stressed, you're overwhelmed, you have something you want to say, but you're waiting for someone to ask you. And um, I tend to feel like if someone's having a terrible day and you aren't kind to them, you're making it worse. And so it's not necessarily that I've noticed any difference in location or um, where I am necessarily. It just depends on did I read the person well enough to get a positive response back um, versus like, Oh, people, you know, on the West coast are hard, harder for me to do this too versus East coast. Um, it's kind of like people are people and environments haven't really changed. It's just people's it's people's days. It's where people physically are in their life, yeah. in their moment. And if you can't tell or read that, then it's much harder to, to get a consistent response back of like, Oh, thank you. Or that was so helpful. Or, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, do you find that that plays into how you have to prepare or do you find that it's something that you pick up on in the moment? Um, I think the thing is we live in this very divided culture. Um, still in, you know, 2018, whether it's, you know, like who people love, what the color of the skin you're is, is how money, much money you have, you know, there are a lot of, um, diversity issues still, if you will. Um, and so I think the thing that we can all relate on outside of money, you know, uh, culture, background, skin color is like, we all are people, you know, humans to some degree trying to make it to the end of the day in one piece, not having the worst day of our lives, you know, not getting in car accident, like trying to just, you know, live the best day we can today. Um, 
And so there's not necessarily a preparation. It's just, I feel like the more diverse and the more um, differences that there could potentially be between me and another human, I try to just boil it down to like, we're all humans. Um, so that, you know, like we're all human beings and, and we can relate at that level. You know, for the most part, we've all, if we're adults, have all had some sort of job. And so you can say, what do you do? You know, there's, there's ways you can go, you know, we've all worked. We all have family, you know, stuff like that, where you make it very boiled down to relatability at the, at the bottom. I find that kind of reminds me to a sense of uh, what I found when I travel to like, doesn't matter where you go. There's always something connecting between right. people. So, uh, let's talk about the role that social media plays in the well-being of your audience uh because i'm sure even though there's that great side of connection being with people i'm sure it makes need for what you do even stronger really yeah i mean social media is an interesting interesting beast unto itself um i think there's probably a lot more opportunity for you know cyberbullying and you know hate in the world um, I think it plays both parts. I think there's a lot of things where it's brought people together and it's this, you know, acts of kindness get shared and people, people can really, really relate. Um, and, um, you know, stuff like that where it's, it's an, it's a nice, uh, there's niceties to it. And I think, I think social media just makes people feel more lonely, to be honest, whether you have a big following or a small following, or I think people just feel lonely and they compare themselves and they feel behind or not on top of life or, not as good, you know, fill in all the blanks. And I think it just makes people want to be loved on more, um, at a, at a human connection, you know, like if, if someone's feeling really down on themselves to social media and then they go to a grocery store and someone's really kind to them, I think the weight of that is more now because social media is pulling us further down some days that, that the, when yeah. someone does something kind, it actually probably weighs more than pre social media. Where someone's like, oh my gosh, you know, I think, I think because social media is so hard to manage sometimes for people. Um, yeah, yeah, because it can play into mental yes. health too. Like, yeah, like people can uh, start to compare themselves to a best version of somebody right. else. And it's like, oh, they're having so much right. fun. It's huh. a really interesting point. So this season of my podcast, I've talked to a lot of people who have, um, not really felt like they fit in their environment or industry. So they've had to hear the word no a lot for anything to happen. Uh, uh, what, what would you say is the best first step for facing fear for the listeners who have heard those stories and gone, but what if the worst happened? Like what if they just get told no a million times? Yeah. Um, I always, I mean, unfortunately with rejection, it really is a numbers game. And so, you essentially just have to keep ringing the doorbell. Um, sometimes you have to ring uh, the whole neighborhood's doorbells. Um, and so it's really a matter of, um, I heard that I actually heard this really, really cool story, um, about, um, gosh, I don't, I don't remember the full version, but it was essentially a, a guy was saying, um, like, what if we all had the opportunity to hit a home run? And if you hit the home run, you know, you'd be given like a hundred thousand dollars or something. And he said, you know, everyone goes to bat. He said, what happens is most people stop batting because the audience, because let's say it's a full stadium, like you're getting booed or you're getting heckled. Um, and he said, like, very, very, very few people um, 
will 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 stay, you know, three days to hit the home run because at some point it's no longer worth it to them. And so the people that hit the home run and have that like victory moment um, are the people that stayed the longest and worked the hardest. And so I think a lot of times it just is like this. It's it's a long game, if you will. I think we want I think we want to we want to email someone today. And then two minutes later, they go, yeah, I'd love to work with you. Yeah, I'd love to have you in my podcast. Yeah, I'd love to collaborate. Yeah, I'd love to be friends. And um, unfortunately, I mean, we, I, you know, there's no such thing as instant friendship because, you know, friendship, yeah. some, even friendship, that takes a while to develop trust and, you know, relatability and credibility and all those things that it requires to, to be friends with someone. And yet we live in this culture that goes, oh, I hope tomorrow I can, you know, be a millionaire and have these opportunities or write a book or get a book deal. And it really is this long game of um, what holds people back is that they leave the game too early. That's really what it is. It's not necessarily being holding back is that they give up at, uh, you know, at mile, let's say at mile 12 of a half marathon and they don't make it to mile 13. Um, most people get almost all the way there. Um, it's the finish line that, that's really what holds people back. It's not the starting line. Most people can get on the starting line and go, okay, I tried. And one person tells them, no, their soul is crushed. And then they go home. And they never finish the race. They just kind of go, okay, I'm not going to do this race anymore. And then they go into another race. And, um, so I think it's, it's, and, and I think once you get one really awesome yes, you then are able to keep going, okay, wait, I did get an awesome yes. So all these no's aren't that, that huge in the realm of the world. You know what I mean? You go, okay, well, I didn't get told. No, and sometimes you got to start small and work up. You go, okay, well, let me get a bunch of small no's before I go after this one big yes or no. Um, so I think a lot of times it's it's not really the no's that hold people back. It's kind of this like they don't wait for the yes. They go, ah, eh, I got 20 no's, I'm out. It, yeah, and almost with uh, going back to the online point again, uh, with what people see, they see the end of the journey. Right. The start as well. Like they they think that such and such who apparently made a million overnight, quote unquote, is somehow a model for what they can be. Right. So do you, so let's see, um, the older I get, the more I meet great talented people who never reach their full potential because they're afraid of rejection to begin with. Do you, uh, do you have any other, like, do you have any tips for people who are dealing with that fear and aren't willing to stick it out, but have all these great ideas for things they can do over the long term. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the thing is it really comes down to how bad you want it is really what people have to ask themselves, because if you don't want it that bad, you will give up and, and that's fine, but then you can't have regret later. You can't be both. You can't say, I don't want it that bad. And then regret not going for it later. Like it's one or the other. Um, and so I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, what are your goals? I mean, I, there's been some really big goals I've had in life and I have gone full force to the finish line and the finish line was a no, but I went and I tried. And, and I think that was far more than most people who would dream of the yes at the finish line was that I got all the way there and got told no. And I said, well, at least I, at least I left no stone unturned and I went all the way and I tried really hard. Um, and it was painful, but I learned a lot from that. And so I think it's just more a matter of, you know, if you want to write a book, like you, you've got to start at some point. And I think the thing with that I've learned is it's not necessarily yes or no. Sometimes it's like, no, but here's something else you could do. And, 
I did the whole rejection challenge and towards the end, um, basically I was just trying to get rejected every day and I went into a grocery store and asked if I could restock the, the groceries just to see if they'd say yes or no. And they told me no. And they were like, but you could bag groceries. And I was like, oh, like, okay, that's something different, you know? And, and, and the goal is not to learn how to like bag groceries. It was just to get told no and be okay with no. And I was, you know, it wasn't a no. It was a, no, you can't do what you came in here originally to do. However, we will give you another opportunity that is slightly different yet in the same realm. And so I think a lot of times we get very set in stone of this is my dream and it's got to look exactly like this. And we forget that we're going to meet people along the way and we're going to shift mindsets and things are going to change. And by the time you get there, it's going to be a completely different thing still within your dream circle, if you will. Um, we get caught on that too, the, the perfect ending. And it's like, there can be a, there can be a no, but, and then you go in a different direction and it's still a really awesome, um, thing, if you will. Yeah. Or there's the time based no, but as well. That's the one I get in my work a lot, which is, which is, uh, no, but me in a few months or no, but maybe this winter I'll need you for whatever. Right. Right. Yes. So, That's hard too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so any long-term goals or cool stuff planned for your business in the next little while? Um, I don't know if I, I mean, the long-term goals is I'm planning and seeking for the next few years. Um, I'm trying to, I, I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily long-term goals. I'm just trying to, to, um, find some interesting ways, I should put this, to potentially do some more, um, I'm trying to find some ways where I could do potentially some, some free speaking for, um, you know, schools or companies or places that necessarily are, are a lower income that couldn't afford it. So I'm working on some maybe cool partnerships. I haven't really nailed it all down, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to, to be able to bless more people along the way and also still have a, a business model, if you will. Um, so I'm kind of in the brainstorming phase of what does that look like? Hmm. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but I think I, I, I had it cut out just now. So could you, could you repeat that? Oh, again? yeah, yeah. I just was saying, um, I am trying to find ways to, um, do, do some more stuff for free, um, for like lower income people, like lower income schools or lower income, you know, companies that are in more rural places. Um, so I've just been brainstorming some cool ways to do some partnerships potentially, um, to, oh, to bless more people, to good. bless more people via speaking. Yeah, yeah, because the, there's lots of ways where that's needed, for right. sure. So what three words would you describe your business and why? Oh, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that. Um, I'd probably say kindness, for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd probably say kindness and encouraging. And then, I don't know what the third word I'd say. Um, I almost want to say, like, go-getter. I mean, I don't know if go-getting is really a word, but I think those three together, probably, um, you know, I would say, and then I would say just because I think it's a, it's the, they call it, you know, dichotomy of what I'm speaking on. It's like both wanting yeah. to teach people to be go-getters and also be kind along the way of that journey. So, all right. So to sum things up, where can listeners find you online? Um, so my website is carriegrace.com and then, um, my Instagram is at, or my Instagram and Twitter and all that is, um, at carriegraceshop. All right. So thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. And have a great rest you of your too. day. You too. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard and you would like to keep up to date on future episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast listening device. 
And I also have an active newsletter for podcasts, updates, and etc. And the link for that is available in the show notes if you'd like to opt into that. And of course, tell all your friends and I'll see you soon on future episodes.